I got my first pair of glasses in the third grade. Uh, I'm pretty badly nearsighted, uh, but those of you, maybe like little Jack down here, with a similar condition will remember that feeling of getting your first pair of glasses, right? The absolute awe that the world suddenly holds, a world like that you've lived in, but you've forgotten how it looked. The way the grass was no longer a uniform swath of green, but an array of shorn spikes, alarming in quantity and diversity. The leaves in the trees took on a particularity, shivering sharp against the sky, branches yearning and winding as they reached from the trunk. It's a wild thing to begin to see. In fifth grade, I began to notice blurring in my left eye. I started playing this private game in class where I'd cover one eye and then the other, noticing the way the objects softened around one edge, moved in and out of focus as I shifted from right to left eye and back. I did this for a long time before remembering to tell my mom what was happening. Dr. Meru, our small town optometrist, found a tear in my retina. He quietly mentioned to my mom that I could go blind at any moment and rushed me to Wichita that day for surgery. My panicked dad was close behind with a three-foot-tall stuffed Jayhawk he'd bought at the local Dillon's on his way. They didn't tell me about the possibility of my blindness until many, many years later. Right. 250 words in, and by now the savvy churchgoer has connected the dots, and you're bored with the easy metaphor of this story, aren't you? Blind man in the gospel is healed by Jesus. Amber happens to have a story about potential blindness, dot, 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 miracles, plush mascots all around, check, onto Eucharist, right? But I think that there are some things going on around this story of blind Bartimaeus that could help us see this story, maybe for the first time. Mark, the gospel writer, talks a lot about sight. If today's story of a blind man sounds familiar, it should be. We had a blind man healed not even two chapters ago in Mark. Not very different story at all. Now, whenever you hear two very similar stories told by the same person in the Bible, you know that there is a reason that they are telling it again. The key to these two stories is actually what happens in between them. It's been a long stretch of stories about a kind of blindness. Peter doesn't see what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah. He's called Satan and dismissed. Peter, James, and John don't see what's important about the transfiguration and want to stay on the mountain. The the disciples can't see the importance of prayer and healing a boy with an unclean spirit. The disciples do not see that to be the greatest is actually to be the least in the kingdom or why women shouldn't be discarded by their husbands, or the inherent value of children, or the need to serve. The rich man can't see that his possessions are keeping him from God. It is not a coincidence that 
Mark packs all of this blindness in between the bookends of two people being given sight. But there's more. To drive the point home in the 10th chapter of Mark, where we are at today, Jesus asked an identical question to two different people. What would you have me do for you? I mean, first of all, what a question. Can you imagine getting it? I mean, where do I start, Jesus? But he wasn't asking me. Uh, He was asking this of the brothers, James and John, last week in our reading. It didn't go well. They pull Jesus aside so that the other disciples can't hear, and they're like, hey, big things coming your way, man, and when you are king, we want to sit at your right and left hands in glory. It's a big ask, and Jesus says he can't. Those seats aren't his to give away, so sorry, guys, back to coach with the rest of us sinners. Maybe comfort class, I mean, you are disciples. But when Jesus asks that same question this week, what would you have me do for you? We are now looking for why it is being asked again. Our gospel says that Jesus and his disciples came to Jericho. Um, And in the next sentence, it says they decided to leave Jericho. I don't know if you noticed that. Not much to see, you'd think, but you'd be wrong. Actually, Jericho uh, is on the very edge of Jerusalem. As you look down from the Mount of Olives, you can see this city nestled in the foot of the hills. Jericho. They called the oldest city in the world by some. The city of Joshua and Rahab, the city through which the children of Israel entered into the promised land. When you see Jericho in the news at all today, it's because it's still a site of violence and division, repeating all the way back to our gospel's time where Romans and rebels clashed at regular intervals. In the midst of this vast and uniform sea of human striving, Jesus Jesus focuses in on the particularity of one leaf shivering on its branch in the distance, Bartimaeus. Do you know what it's like to begin to see I am a savvy churchgoer who knows that the point of the story is that we are often like James and John, that we can't see past our myopic focus on our own needs and desires to see Jesus at work in the world. But I think to myself, you know, blurred vision helps us get on with life in some ways, doesn't it? It's actually pretty overwhelming at first, watching every falling leaf, every blade of grass calling out for attention. My yoga instructors always told me to be present in the moment, but you couldn't walk anywhere if you paid attention perfectly, if you saw every Bartimaeus in need. And yet this is what Jesus does. I think in some ways that this is what church is about. 
Our egos and wills have made the world all about us. And it's a hard thing to dismantle because it's a hard thing to see. For me, it's like being given one good eye in this place and noticing what it's like to cover one and then the other, to see as I naturally do, and then to try to look through the eyes of Christ. But the hope for me in this story is that at your blindest moments, another face in a featureless crowd, when you are lost in your fear and isolation, it seems like it is then when Jesus spots you in the crowd. You, with the weight of glory and the weight of the world that rests in equal measure in your soul. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you.